Welcome everybody to Pipe Bomb Radio NYC. Sponsored by Raz Energy, Steiner Sports, and Super Draft Pro. Here is your host, Ricky, a.k.a. The Prez, Lit Uh, this is Pipe Bomb Radio NYC. We had uh, Hey Mr. Pop Evil, if you actually heard it, and uh, Hot in the City by Billy Idol. But we do welcome Mr. David Lioncourt to the show. Dave, how you doing? What's up, guys? Thanks for having me. Dude, that is an Hi. amazing setup you've got in the back there. Oh, thanks, man. Yes, it's my like my little home studio where I do like all the uh, all like the pre pre production stuff for my music. It looks amazing. Nice. It actually looks better than my fake graffiti background that I got going on right now. <laughs> nice. So, Dave, I, I, we were supposed to have you on last week, but I heard you had a ton of interviews last week. So we kind of uh, broke up the monotony and got you on a week later. So how's your day going? Um, you know, it's, it's so far so good, man. It's been a busy one, but exciting nonetheless. Stoked to sit here and talk with you guys today. Well, give us a little bit of a background. Like, what is the, uh, the musical influences that you have? Oh man, I, those are gonna. That's a, a wide array of things. Um, I'm, I would say, like I'm kind of rooted in like '80s rock, you know. So like I, you know, uh, be really influenced by like the '80s bands, you know, like the Motley Crue, the Skid Row, the Queens Rikes, um, you know. And then also there's a little, be a little bit of that uh, that '90s in there too, that early '90s uh, Alice in Chains types of vibes. Um, really influenced by those bands as well, and then. Um, I mean, that's probably going to be like the lion's share of the things that kind of really um, I was listening to growing up, even though when I was listening to them, it was, you know, the late 90s, early 2000s and all those all those genres had kind of come and gone already. But those are the that's still the music that I listen to now. So if I get in my truck, I'm driving somewhere, you can almost guarantee that Operation Mindcrime is going to pop on uh, some lynch mob, maybe some Badlands. Um, you know, or, or slaughter to Motley to all kinds of stuff. So, I mean, I'm just, uh, I'm just really big into, you know, music that has like a good vocalist and, you know, some rad riffs. Sweet. Lars. Yes. It's your time to shine now because we rarely have, <laughs> have like very little people on for an interview. So go ahead. Yeah. Uh, so when Ricky sent me your track, the first track that Ricky sent me, I don't remember the name of it. I was just like, wow, this is great. And I told Rick and like, and then he said, like, we will get him for an interview and everything. So, yeah, really. Awesome. Good. Thanks. Amanda. Followed you on Facebook and on uh, Spotify. And thank you. Yeah. That's awesome. So we are, we are here with Di, uh, David Lioncourt. We do have our chat. Hopefully they'll throw you some questions. Uh, I have to say, though, that this is uh, it's an honor to have you on. Sam has been sending over, like, nonstop banger after banger after banger artists and tracks. Uh, I, have to, I, I have to really kind of say, like, what was, what was it like in the beginning starting out? A lot of artists always usually have that, that, like that hazy period where when they're just starting out, they kind of feel a little lost or they, the, the pressures of 
being able to get into the music? How, how was it for you? Oh, man. I mean, music for me has just always been, I don't know, just a part of my everyday life. So, I mean, I don't really feel too much pressure about it. Like, I just, you know, this is what I do, you know? So it's like anything else. Anybody that has, like, an inclination for something, it's no different for me. Um, you know, I started playing music at the age of 10, guitar, drums, bass, you know, went on to sing later. Um, but, you know, for me in playing music or for live performances, I mean, I've been doing this stuff for many years. So for uh, in the beginning portion of it, you know, I mean, it was like probably like any other kid in the 90s. Like I sat down with a guitar and, um, you know, never took a lesson and sat in front of a radio and just try to figure out like, hey, how does that Metallica riff go and sit there until you figured it out. You know, that was kind of like the way I taught myself how to play all the instruments was just, you know, either listening to things on the radio, on CD or, you know, um, you know, when MTV was still playing stuff, you know, you'd watch like a music video or even when VH1 was really kind of doing some things right there in the early 2000s or late 90s, maybe where, you know, you'd watch, you know, the throwback videos of Metallica or the throwback videos of, you know, Motley Crue and stuff. So you could see like, hey, how do they? How are they doing so like what are their hand positions on you know this song or you know when he's playing the drums on this like how is he doing that particular fill or like you know what's like the backbeat in there so um you know for me in the early times of music like uh, i've always just been excited about it so there hasn't been a lot of doubt or hasn't been a lot of uh trepidation it's just been i like playing music and this is what i do you know so it's just been a good time now there have been peaks and valleys in terms of how much I've put effort into, you know, pushing it outside of like my own personal life. Absolutely. Um, but, you know, regardless of that, I, I still play every day. So you say you play multiple instruments. If you wanted to uh, break it down to uh, guys that you've tried to emulate, look up to, followed, uh, for example, vocals, what would be your uh, your top guy to, to sit there and try to idolize? Uh, I would say for vocal stuff growing up, I probably have, it's probably come back to like the same three or four guys since I started singing. Um, Jeff Tate on Operation Minecraft was definitely one of those ones who was like really got me into wanting to do stuff. Uh, Sebastian Bach's Skid Row on that first Skid Row record. Um, Lane Staley on the first two Alice in Chains records on Dirt and Facelift. I mean, those like, you know, especially like the harmonies that him and Jerry Cantrell did. And then um, this one's probably like not as popular, but CJ Snare of Firehouse on the first Firehouse record. Um, when I started singing, my my pitch and my voice was really really high. So for me to like emulate the things that he did because his pitch was so high was very comfortable for me. So it was fun to sing high stuff that also had a high pitch because we kind of matched. So that was a lot of um, excitement and you know learning new stuff, learning techniques because I mean uh, you know all four of those guys sing high. But they all use different types of techniques and obviously have different voices. So for me to do that, you have to learn a lot of different ways of going about hitting the same note. So, you know, in a live setting and or um, figuring out what your own personal preferences are in terms of the vocalist, it goes a long way singing other people's styles. So in, in guitars, what would be that, uh, that lineage? Um, for guitar stuff, growing up, I was always a huge Megadeth fan. So I was constantly playing you know, Rust in Peace or Countdown. Um, so Dave Mustaine, in terms of like a rhythm player, also along with like James Hetfield, that was, you know, the stuff that I was playing along to a lot. Um, I would say that those two guys were probably the most influential on my guitar playing. 
for, for very different reasons because, I mean, they're both spectacular and we both know that they were in the same band. Yeah, yeah, we know the story. Um, but they're entirely two different, you know, beasts when it comes to playing and how they approach the guitar. Uh, so, you know, learning how to play Master of Puppets and then learning how to play, you know, uh, Holy Wars, it's two different types of animals, even though they're both heavy, they're both thrashy, and they're both fun. But it, the way that each guy plays and the way that you end up learning how to play those songs, you know, it takes a little bit of something else uh, to get in there and do it. So yeah. I would say those two guys for sure, maybe sprinkle in a little bit of Zach Wilde, not a whole lot, but just like enough on like certain vibrato things or like the pitch harmonic stuff, like a lot of woo kind of stuff. Uh, but those are the guys that probably for me were the most fun. And then I would say on the back end of that uh, would be uh, the rhythm stuff or the, like the, the chord phrasings of George Lynch. Now, the most difficult one, because I have a lot of friends who have tried to play drums and they play the same beats miraculously somehow over and over and over and over again. So I can understand this one here is going to be the challenge for you. The drummer that has most inspired you. Um, the drummer that inspired me probably the most, I'm going to have to say, and this is a guy that like, he's very in the pocket, kind of just straight ahead. But it, uh, growing up, it was Tommy Lee. I mean, I love the way like the heat, like the visual aspect of what he did. The actual playing part of it, it wasn't like he was going above and beyond. Yeah. But to watch him and to like see that there was an art, there was a visual art thing happening within a song. That to me was very fascinating. Um, you know, because I think in rock music, the visual aspect, a lot of things matters as much as, you know, what it is you're playing. I mean, the reason why so many people like going to see Iron Maiden, there's a lot of stuff happening. The songs are great. Bruce sings great. But there's a lot of things on stage. And you have Eddie coming out. Like there's there's a rock aesthetic that has always kind of been hand in hand with rock and or metal. Um, so watching him play was really exciting. Now, on like the technical side of things, I mean, I would probably say I was leaning a little bit more into like Vinnie Paul of Pantera. Um, I really was into a lot of, uh, a lot of tool stuff when I was, you know, little growing up listening to tools. So like a lot of the intricate things, um, were, you know, pretty fascinating to me too. So there's like a lot of different things that I kind of like mounts around with, but overall the meat potatoes aspect of drumming that I had fun with was taking a lot of the visual cues that Tommy Lee would, you know, allow while playing live. In, in knowing the fact that you do all of these, like you play all the instruments, you do vocals and, and things like that. Equipment wise, like when you go to a gig, are you bringing all of this stuff with you? Or is, is there a band that actually like follows you up on the stage? Cause I've seen a lot of artists try to do, uh, have their hands in a lot of different instruments during a show at the same time. So do you like bring your own stuff or is it just a small package mic and on your way or, so for, for this particular project that I'm doing currently, like on the American Scream, which is a single that I have out right now, I have a band. I'll be playing guitar. I'll be playing rhythm and lead guitar and singing. And then I have a drummer and a bassist. And then for all the stuff that I wrote when I was in my last band, Lion Court, um, we had, it was a five-piece, so I just sang. I just had to worry about you know, singing my parts. Um, so on both, on both of those, what we did in the past and what we will continue to do, um, you know, on this one, I'll just be playing guitar. So I have like my own rig and all like the stuff in here. I mean, you can see, I have like a, I don't know if you can see it, but I got like a, a Marshall, you know, JCM 800 lead series over there. I got an EVH 5150 over here. So I have a few different things that I can pull for when it comes to live performances, which is something that 
uh, as the band gets a little bit more equated with um, or familiar with the music, we'll probably start looking at doing that stuff later this fall. Now, I was in a band a long time ago. I'm, I'm trying not to date myself. Uh, when it comes down to having the band and then being the technical solo artist and having to have the band learn all of the material and stuff, is there a variance between the whole team effort at that point to where now like everybody is not uh, totally up to speed as it would be if it were the total teamwork uh, synchronization? I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, there's, you know, different ways to go about doing things, right? So like you have like, you know, your conventional band where maybe you have four or five guys that stand around in a circle and bang out a riff until they come up with something at the end of the day and, oh, we got this song, right? Um, for me, it's like I can sit down and write a song and, you know, record it here at the house and have it completely done, vocals, lyrics, all the guitar arrangement, all the, the drums, the bass and everything and done in two hours. And I can just send it out to the guys in the MP3 por uh, form and they can just kind of like listen to it. You know, it's like, you know, if you're driving around, you're doing things at the house, whatever the case is, just turn this on, get familiar with, you know, the arrangement and, you know, I'll send them notes. You know, this is what the key is in. This is what the progression is. This is what the BPM is. So they have those types of things rolling around in their head while they're listening to it. And then when it comes time to rehearse, we all get in a room. We can kind of, I can, you know, walk people through their portion of what it is that they have to play or what they're responsible for. But, you know, we'll kind of expedite a lot of that due to the fact that they've listened to it in their own time. It's just when we get into the rehearsal space where we begin to fine tune uh, everybody's little sections. So everything that you pretty much in the build of a track is you obviously do all of the recording at home, right? Or in your, your little studio. Um, and then you transfer it out there and then it's just pretty much a lot of fine tuning because maybe they may hear something different in the track uh, when it's recorded to when it's being actually done in studio. Right. So, I mean, that's where I have to come into play in terms of showing them what, okay, that you're close on what that progression is, but this is actually what that, you know, instead of it being on whatever the case is, it's here instead of there. So it's just a little bit, but most of the time everybody, you know, comes in and they have about 90% of it like dialed in. It's just like the, the finer details of like maybe like a little underpause thing or some ghost notes on a snare or, you know, just little things like maybe there's a note or two that's wrong on like a lead part that's, you know, kind of buried in the mix that's going to help accentuate, accentuate like a chorus. Um, but for the most part, everybody is pretty, pretty close to getting in. So it's like we can play through it once. I can listen to everybody, see how everyone's playing it dial in each individual, show them what it is that they need to do, and then hit the, hit the track again. And then from there, it's just a matter of reps of getting everybody dialed in, everyone getting comfortable with what their parts are. But, you know, that's just part of being in a band. You know, by the time you go on stage and you've played X amount of shows, everyone, you know, can go up there and play their parts and make a sandwich and not even think about it, you know? So it's just one of those things you just got to keep doing. I like the part that you said, make a sandwich, because we always have some type of food topic during an interview. <laughs> which we will have coming up soon because uh, we have the uh, five questions of death. Uh, they're nothing really serious, but uh, it's a little bit more to get to know the artists as they, uh, as they're coming around. Lars, okay. you have any more questions? Uh, maybe like uh, past or present artist or band to share uh, stage with like dream. 
Oh man. Um, you know, I think that like, obviously I think a lot of us are aware that the stadium tour is happening right now with Motley Crue and Def Leppard. I mean, to be the opening act on that, that would be freaking intense, right? To be able to play for, you know, 40,000 people a night, lose their mind. And then after you, you got, you know, Joan Jett, you know, Poison and everybody else. I think that would be an exceptional, uh, I think the whole vibe there would just be a lot of fun. Um, you know, so that would just be a good time. I think so. I mean, if I could stay, share a stage or tour with Motley Crue, I, that would be kind of like a uh, like a bucket list type of scenario, you know. So yeah. I, would say, I would say the crew. Would there be a drum duel nice. between you and Tommy Lee? Oh, I hope not, man. It's been it's been many a moon since I've like really you know put the efforts into keeping the chops up on the old skins there. But uh, I would do it anyway just for the just for the story, you know. He's like, yeah, I played drums with Tommy Lee to kick my ass. <laughs> Don't worry, we will not put you on uh, Conan O'Brien or any of the other late night shows to have the drum battles. <laughs> nice. So, David, the, the the builds to this track, give us a little bit of a uh, a background on the actual track, uh, what it took, the time length to to get it ready. Oh, for the American Scream? Yes. Um, you know, the opening riff is. I think I'm pretty sure I had the opening riff first. Um, to get the arrangement and everything kind of dialed in, I think that I was able to, like, from conception to end, I think I was able to complete that song in about three hours. Um, wow. And then after that, um, I go to my buddy Nick Miller. is the guy. He's, he has a studio, and I actually, like, I do all the demo stuff here at my house, and I shoot it to him. And then I go to his studio, and then that's where we do like the final, the big boy. So the stuff that everybody hears is done at, um, at uh, I think it's, believe it's Lakeview Audio or Lakeside Audio uh, in Lodi by Nick Miller. So I go to his studio, and then we do everything there. So I just send him the tracks and the demo stuff that I do at the house, so that he's able to like you know kind of listen to it, get a vibe for what I'm what I'm going after. And then once I get up there, I'll knock everything out. So for like the American Scream, I think I got up to his place at like. I think it was uh, like 10, 30, 11 o'clock. And by 1.30, I was in my truck driving home. It was done. Jeez. That's insane. I don't think I've, I don't think I've had or heard anything, you know, in such a short amount of time for it to be built like that. But uh, I will say the track is amazing. And Thank we are going to play it for everybody yeah. on the show. So uh, if you uh, haven't already uh, shared this thing out, let's get some more people in here. David, really great guy. He's on the show with us today. And we're going to play American Scream by David Lioncourt live. This is Pipe Bomb Radio NYC. With haze, 
lead singer from Robots and Gods, and you're listening to Pipe Bomb Radio. Rock on! American Scream, David Lion Court here on Pipe Bomb Radio NYC. It's a Friday edition. David, that song, legit, is such a kick-ass track. By the way, you are yes. on <laughs> We got to get them all from you. There we go. Thanks, yeah. guys. I, I got to tell you, I I got the track last week. It's on my phone. And it is just absolute, when it comes on, it is an adrenaline rush. <laughs> it is. Yeah. It is very much so. That, that was what I was shooting for, man. Just wanted to make sure that everybody was awake. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll, I'll put it to you this way. I get, on average, probably about 50 to 75 tracks per week. And obviously, a lot of the cream does rise to the top. Now, I listen to a lot of genres. I am across the board from classical, metal, rock, alternative, a little bit of country, a little bit of rap, R&B, you name it. I listen to it. But when something comes like comes up like that, like it, it immediately moves to the front of the class. You know what I mean? Because, again, I love, I, first off, I love great guitar riffs, for one. Bass, bass lines are absolutely musts. For some reason, there is something about a true bass line in a track that moves, like, it gets you that, that energetic feel to it. But this one here, like, as soon as Sam said it to me, I'm like, we got to get him on. That's it. Got to get him on. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Thanks. That's a that's a uh, a large compliment, and I thank you. Well, again, one of the uh, this is the first time we're obviously talking. Hopefully, I'll get in touch with you through Facebook or Instagram or whatever. Uh, one of the main purposes of our show is to feature the indie artists, and throughout a lot of the the time that I've been doing this is year three of the show. Uh, Nineteen months ago, we did an indie show. And a lot of the artists that we had on the indie show are featured normally on the show. Like they get a Tuesday or a Friday spot where we play the independence. And um, since we've been getting people on, like a lot of great things have been happening, not for just the show, but for all the artists that we get on. So to have you as part of the lineup now is just like another, it's just another bullet in the gun to get to that next level of getting to where the dream is. That's the always way I always try to kind of like to put it, but that's awesome, man. Thank you. Um, so every time you got something new coming on, you 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 kick Sam, tell her, <laughs> you know, get it over to PBR. I can do that, man. I can do it. So, are you ready for the five questions of death? 
Sure, man. I'm I'm actually kind of intrigued about what this is going to be. So, yeah, lay it on me. So, the final question is that for those that have not tuned in at all or new to the show or kind of somehow missed this. These are five questions to better get to know the artist that we have on the interview. So, the first question we go for is the go-to late-night snack. Oh, God. Go-to late-night Peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Sweet. Simple, yep. yet sophisticated, <laughs> and then it's, it's a quick snack. You know, I mean, like, I like sweet stuff, and I, you know, do my best to limit the amount of sweet things that I eat in a particular day. But if, if there is that moment where it's like I'm laying in bed and I got to get up and I'm going to go downstairs and get something, nine out of ten times it's going to be a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. <laughs> And if I'm out of PB and J, it'll be a cheese quesadilla. Ooh, that's another quick. Nice. Gotta so, make it, man. So I'll bridge off of that question because you said the uh, peanut butter and jelly. Okay. Do you somehow try to combine the sweet and salty? Because that's like a new a new fad that's going on. Well, the sweet and salty, like I've, I mean, who doesn't like a good little bit of sweet, a little bit of savory? You know, it's a delightful thing to have. You know, it's enjoyable. Let's see. Um, Let's see. I, I, I love this guy already. I love him already. <laughs> so, I mean, if I could, if I could find a way to, uh, you know, merge those two worlds, I'm in. Okay. This is, the, this is the weirdest question ever. The last interview, I got yelled at for it, but I didn't care. Okay? Okay. You go out to eat. You order a burger. What kind of fry do you order with the burger? Okay? Regular fries or that... Uh, so like the potato, regular potato fry, curly fries, or waffle fries? Uh, man, I mean, that's going to be a push for me, like a, depending on how I'm feeling in the moment, between the waffle fry and just the regular fry. I would say the lion's share of the time, I'm just going to go with the standard fry. Like, you know, I, I'm neither here nor there when it comes to the fry. But every now and then, you know, if I want to feel a little fancy, you know, a little extra razzle-dazzle, I'll go for the waffle fry. Cool. Because there's a lot of, there's a big toss-up on this now because a lot of them say, are they seasoned? Normally, these fries are seasoned. So, in fact, one of our last interviews, they did not know what a waffle fry was. Okay. So, we, well, we, we have introduced the waffle fry to our bands. Well, they are delicious. I mean... <laughs> You know, and if you really want to take it up another notch, you could always, you know, ask them if they would prefer the sweet potato fry. There we go. There's the, the David has given us the fourth option on the fry. <laughs> there you go. Okay. Question three. What venue is your dream venue to play at? Oh, man. Um, dream venue to play at would probably be... I mean, if we're doing East Coast, I would say Madison Square Garden just because of the history. I mean, that's like the Mecca, right, for you know yes. North America, essentially. If you play the garden, it's like, dude, you've made it. So I'll just say, I'll say Madison Square Garden. Okay. Now, this is a twist because Lars took one of my questions and I, I adapt on the fly. Okay. okay. If you were to do the national anthem at one major sporting event, these are your options. The NBA Finals, the Stanley Cup Finals, the World Series. I'm going to go World Series. And if you were to do that, what team would you wish be playing in the World Series? 
Um, well, because I'm, you know, in California and near the Bay and because all my friends would absolutely give me all the shit if I didn't say this, I'll have to say the uh, San Francisco Giants. Have you been to a Giants uh, World Series at all? No, no, I have. I have not. You know, I think a few of my friends have, were able to make it when <laughs> Giants were doing that run. You know, that was about 10 years ago or so. Yes. Um, so I believe that they were they were uh, they made a few of those games. But myself, I have not. Um, is there any athletics involved? Have you done athletics? Uh, music, man, that's my thing. So in terms of like, have I played sports? Negative. And there you go. <laughs> Simple. These are not hard. These are things to just get to know the artist because absolutely. You know, all right. Because well, like you know, like you had a lot of people in, like in high school that want to play sports and stuff. Like, but when I was in high school, I was playing shows and you know, like again, I was writing music for the band that I was in, in high school. So I mean, I was like playing guitar in the in the evening and then playing drums at the show. So for me, it was just music, music, music. Well, I do have an additional question because, again, um, I know a lot of the times artists, DJs like myself, we are involved a lot of a lot of our productions and getting everything all fine-tuned. What's a hobby? What kind of hobbies do you have? Uh, man. Outside of music? I, don't, I mean, that's it, dude. I mean, I'm, like, I'm kind of like a one-trick pony. It's like... I like hang out with my family. We go do family stuff, and then I'm writing tunes, you know. So it's like I really don't think that I have an actual hobby. It's like, like I said, like maybe trips to Disneyland could potentially be uh, a hobby type of deal. But I mean, that's like a family adventures type gig. But I mean, like I'm pretty simple, man. I mean, I'm just hanging out with the family, and like if we're watching a movie or something, you can almost guarantee I have a guitar in my hand. You know, so I'm always like noodling on different riffs or coming up writing songs. So that's pretty much it. Yeah, because for me, like I do all of the graphics and stuff. I build everything. I'm I'm getting in contact with artists. I'm like a one man army over here. That that's why I ask. Like, if I'm lucky to throw on the Xbox or uh, maybe Netflix for like ten minutes, you know, that's that's, that's kind of the thing. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean. It, it's it's a crazy world when you get into the music part because there's there's so much that you want to accomplish, but yet there's only so much time in the day to get things done. Oh, absolutely, man. I mean, you know, I'm running, you know, the Instagram. I'm running Facebook. I'm creating content. I'm writing all the music. I'm in touch with Sam and, you know, our team at RFL, you know, so I'm, you know, doing interviews with, like with you guys. So, I mean, this, you know, this keeps me super busy. You know, there's always something to be done, you know, whether you're making a video for something or following up on a post or making sure that you're, you're replying to comments, um, you know, like the music side of it, like the business side away from just writing and performing music is a full time job. I mean, this thing is all day long. You know, it's kind of nonstop, but it's also part of the gig and it's a good time. You know, you get to meet new people and, you know, have interesting conversations about peanut butter and jelly and, you know, cheese quesadillas. <laughs> Every show we do, we, there's always a food comment. In fact, uh, one of the first artists that we ever had on the show, um, Clay Soldiers, they're all the way over in the UK. And as soon as the interview starts, they're like, so, Leon, you like food? And we kind of started that. So uh, <laughs> I because, like it. Because, again, like, for, for a lot of artists, including my, like, I can't even conclude myself as an artist, but uh, as a creator, 
uh, there are usually a lot of late nights where you're sitting there and you're working, you're like, I need a snack. Like, what's the first thing that you can go for? Yeah, and absolutely. It, it, it kind of paves the way and kind of like soothes the savage beast late night, especially when you're working on a project. And yeah, a lot man. of people don't understand that. But uh, we like to kind of uh, get that info out there. Absolutely. I mean, I think that if any anybody who's listening to this or watching this, anyone who's passionate about something has had that late night, has been, you know, stayed up past, way past what they were supposed to, you know, trying to finalize something or to follow an idea all the way through. And I mean, if you've done that, then you know that food is definitely part of that story. Yes. And you also know that if you get invited over to dinner, they can't screw you on what they want to serve you for food. Also true. See? So this is why we have the artists get get that little bit of info out there. You know, especially me, me and David, we like that, you know, sweet and salty type deal. You gotta make sure dinner's like that too a little bit. Absolutely. David, thank you for coming on. Massively appreciate it. I understand that uh, everything gets busy, but I'll tell you the same thing that I tell every artist that we have on the show. Please do not be a stranger. If you need to BS, you got a you got a track. You need an ear to give a little bit of an opinion on. Um, I am always here. Uh, I do support every artist. My my phone is legit full now with a lot of the indie artists more than the regular music that I listen to. Awesome, man! I'll be back. I have more tracks coming, so. I would say probably by the time we get to the end of next month, I'll probably be circling back. Oh, and if you really want to kill anybody, our 300th episode is July 19th. Oh, dang. You guys are getting close. Yeah, we are. We we do three shows a week. It's hardcore. Um, again, we like to we like to put it out there. And, and that's one of the things that I've I've always noticed that with radio. If you don't do it on a consistent basis, it's a little hard. You know, you don't you don't catch uh, enough traction. But uh, three epi- 300 episodes in a little over three years, I'm okay That's with good, that. That's good, man. Absolutely. I am totally okay with that. <laughs> Lars, do you have any final comments for Orion uh, Court? Uh, no, yes. Good having you on and really love your music and looking forward to hear more. And- Thank you. I'll be back. That is David Lioncourt. Check out that track, American Scream. I'm telling you right now, you need a wake-up call. American Scream is the way for you. Trust me. I wake up totally every time I hear it. (laughs) David, thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. All right. On this block, we're going to have some uh, Black Hole Sun. We have some Black Sabbath, Children of the Sea. When we come back, we're hanging out. Pipe Bomb Radio NYC, your home for music and entertainment every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday, 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Spreaker.com. <laughs>